Coming up this evening, live from New York City, Elon Musk is threatening to walk away from the Twitter deal. The company doesn't give him more data on spam and fake accounts. Apple kicks off one of its major annual events, the Worldwide Developers Conference, or the latest updates it just announced. Some of Trump's China tariffs may be lifted. The president is weighing the possibility in the face of high inflation. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here for NTD Business. Elon Musk is threatening to kill the Twitter deal. His legal team is accusing Twitter of hiding data regarding spam and fake accounts. Twitter has given Musk the testing methodologies it uses to find the fake accounts, but Musk believes their methodologies are quite inadequate. He wants to do his own analysis, but that requires the data on spam and fake accounts. So whether or not Musk will actually own Twitter, at this point, who knows. Musk will need to pay potentially a $1 billion breakup fee if he walks away from the deal. Keep you updated. And Apple kicked off its annual developer conference today, sharing the latest updates. That includes its next-generation mobile software, iOS 16. It also offers some new bells and whistles for your iPhone. That includes the ability to edit your iMessages. Here's Apple's senior VP of software engineering. Have you ever sent a message only to immediately realize you didn't quite say what you intended? Well, no worries, because now you can edit any message you just sent. So embarrassing typos can be a thing of the past. You can also unsend messages and mark a thread as unread to come back to it later if you're busy. You'll also be able to personalize your screen lock, both the wallpaper and live updates. Say, for example, you want to track your Uber ride or a football game. Apple also unveiled the in-house M2 chip and a redesigned MacBook Air and MacBook Pro with the new chip. The Apple Watch will have new features like heart rate zones and data on a runner's stride. A new medication app will remind you when to take your meds. And Apple Pay will start up something similar to buy now, pay later. All the updates will likely roll out later this year. And a former Australian lawmaker has won a lawsuit against Google. The ex-deputy premier of the state of New South Wales says the site allowed defamatory videos on YouTube, which ended his political career. Here he is. I'm happy that on the record now it's clear that Google allowed this to happen. I have been defamed. It was a campaign of, of abuse. Uh, especially online, um, and the racist slurs and the intrusion into my life and my home and my family uh, is something that I think today has now been cleared and, and vindicated. And the court ordered Google to pay John Barilaro $515,000. He also says the YouTube user that posted the videos apologized and that that's all he had been looking for. But he says Google still continued to host the defamatory videos and they only removed the videos when the court ordered it. Federal court found that Alphabet made money by broadcasting the two videos that attacked the former deputy premier. Alphabet owns YouTube and Google. The videos were viewed nearly 800,000 times. The court heard that a content creator uploaded the videos in late 2020. He repeatedly brands the former lawmaker corrupt and calls him names attacking his Italian heritage. The court said that Google had breached its own policies of protecting public figures from being unfairly targeted. That's a new one. Barilaro quit politics a year after the videos were posted. 
you remember the tariffs that Trump slapped on China a while ago? They were in response to China's unfair trade practices. Well, they're still there, but now that President Biden is considering reducing them to help fight inflation. But will it actually help inflation? The DC Quarter investigates. President Biden may lift some of Trump's tariffs on China because of high inflation. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo told CNN. The president has asked us on his team to analyze that, and so we're in the process of doing that for him. Raimondo says tariffs on steel and aluminum may stay, but those on household goods may be reduced. Tariffs are a special kind of tax that the government places on foreign products. It's done to raise money, protect domestic companies, or even to harm other countries. It could bring prices down marginally uh, for certain consumer goods. John Dunham is the president of John Dunham & Associates. Dunham believes this won't have a big effect, but that lifting the tariffs is good. Trade always benefits both parties. Trade, So it would, would definitely help the economy. Tariffs are never, never generally a good thing. Not everyone agrees. It's absolutely the opposite of what we want to do from a geostrategic perspective is, uh, you know, give a free pass to an authoritarian dictatorship nation that uses slave labor out of, you know, I mean, we all know what goes on. Emma Muehlman is a senior portfolio manager at Impact Shares. Muehlman agrees it won't do much for inflation. A few things that we rely on China for. Um, at this point, everybody's already found another source, whether it's Bangladesh, Vietnam, Taiwan, or you know, Mexico. Some don't even think Biden will do it. Uh, removing the tariffs on China could make them seem almost weak, uh, you know, sort of giving in to uh, sort of inflationary pressure. Riley Walters is a deputy director at the Hudson Institute. Riley doesn't think the tariffs will be significantly reduced before the midterms, which are on November 8th. The inflation rate in April was 8.3 percent, down from 8.5 percent in March. Bay Quarter, NTD News. The president is waiving tariffs and solar panels from four Southeast Asian countries the next two years. It applies to panels from Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, they account for 80% of U.S. solar imports. The Commerce Department's investigating whether firms from the four countries are circumventing tariffs on Chinese goods. Those tariffs aim to punish China for predatory pricing. The response to the solar industry and Biden's move today was mixed. CEO of the Solar Industries Association is happy the president waived the tariffs. She says it allowed the U.S. solar industry to return to rapid deployment. But the company asked for the probe in the first place isn't too happy. It accused the administration of inf interfering with the investigation. CEO said the White House, quote, opened the door wide for Chinese-funded special interests to defeat the fair application of U.S. trade law. Keep you updated. And I went to Denver, Colorado last week and talked to a land and property expert about the investment opportunities around solar panels, as well as many other things. Is a conversation with Gary Hubble of United County Real Estate. So we're here at the Western Conservative Summit. It's great to have you here with us. Today we're joined by Gary Hubble. He's a property and land expert, one of only a handful of accredited land consultants in Colorado. Gary, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Do you expect the, the good times in property to last even as uh, policy starts to tighten? I think we hit a peak about three weeks ago. And I think what's happening, of course, you know, a lot of these people are buying cash. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the price of energy. When you have $2 gas, 
and there's a lot, you know, there's the economy powers itself on energy, then there's more money in the economy. That is obviously tightening up, and uh, there's, I think many people are predicting a, re a recession, but uh, I think that there will still be a strong dynamic. There's still a lot of cash out there. People are pulling their money out of the stock market. They're saying, literally, let's go to ground. You've seen this, people oh, pulling their money from the stock market and investing in... in really? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wow. Oh, absolutely. You know, when, an, an acceleration of this, is it this year, perhaps? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of cash out there. We, in, in fact, I was at a closing about, oh, it must have been about three years ago, where somebody handed a, a HUD settlement statement across the table, and, and I looked at it and I said, what is this? And uh, it had been so long since I had... Now, we do loans, ag loans and certain loans, but I'd never seen a settlement statement like that in like three years. So uh, we, do, we do a lot of cash deals. Incredible. These people, they're not confident in the stock market. They think it has peaked. There's a lot of that going on, yeah. What are they buying? I assume these people aren't necessarily becoming ranchers. Well, you know, a lot of people really love to hunt, and so we do very well in hunting properties as well. And through United Country, we have a cor corporate partnership with Realtree, and we have the best hunting property marketing platform in the world. And a lot of people just want to take their kids and grandkids and go out to their hunting property. But the other thing that's a real strong dynamic is short-term rentals. And if somebody can make you know, very good returns on their property by renting out the ranch house or the or the B &B uh, style, the right? bunk house. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Short-term rentals are a good way to make money, and then you have uh, people leasing it for outfitting and hunting. You have uh, crop production, whether it's apples or or wheat or or hay, and uh, people are raising cattle on these ranches as well. So there is an income return. Income is the hardest thing to find in real estate. And uh, so we, we can offer that, but also a, a steady appreciation in land prices year over year. Of all those activity, what gives the best return on one's investment? Well, actually, you're, you're asking an interesting question. And uh, there's, there's a real strong dynamic for energy plays because solar farms are going to be, uh, you're going to see a lot more solar panels in the landscapes around you. And those, those parcels that are ideal, ideally located to literally plug into the grid are going to have an excellent, excellent return. And also, I, I come back to uh, short-term rentals. You, I've, I've had people tell me about a, a 35 to 40 percent uh, return on investment with uh, short-term rental properties. That's a, that's a decent return. Now, what's happening, too, is you have a... See, I, I'm in the western Colorado. I'm, I'm centrally located between Telluride, Crested Butte, and Aspen. And those resort towns are getting really grouchy about short-term rentals because somebody has bought a, a ski condo or a, a ski house, and they and it's no longer worker housing, and it's it's being leased out for short-term rentals. And the, those and there's more disruption. There's people coming in and out all the time. They're bringing in big bags of groceries. They want to have a party, and the neighbors are upset about it. And so they're cranking down, and there's a lot more uh, regulation about short-term rental properties in these resort communities. But out in the country where there are far fewer regulations, in the county I live in, in Delta County, there are absolutely no regulations regarding uh, short-term rentals, especially in the county itself. And uh, so those, those property owners are finding a really good source of income through Airbnb and VRBO.
It's been an incredible experience with land over the past couple of years. Gary Hubble, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And the electric vehicle market continues to evolve as car manufacturers look to invest in improved types of lithium batteries. Anthony Shaw Marshall's latest. Solid state lithium batteries could reshape the $46 billion electric vehicle battery market. Ford and BMW see something special in the company's solid power, possibly because they've designed their product to be made on already existing EV lithium battery factory equipment using the same processes. Paul Eisenstein is publisher and editor at the DetroitBureau.com. Virtually every automaker is working on or working with a partner trying to develop solid state technology. It is potentially the real disruptor that could transform the business, making battery electric vehicles. Solid state batteries bring disruption to the lithium battery industry by replacing flammable liquid electrolytes with a solid layer making them safer. They also hold more power, last longer, charge faster, and are cheaper to make. Solid Power's announcement that they're going to begin a pilot plant and could go commercial by 2024 is certainly something that a lot of investors need to watch closely. Eisenstein says Toyota, which has teamed up with QuantumScape for their solid-state batteries, is reluctant to get into pure electric. He heard this last week at a Toyota event called HQ Confidential. They still believe that for the time being, it'll take a mix of hybrids and plug-in hybrids as well as BEVs. Uh, they are also looking at solid state and other technologies. Solid Power expects to begin shipping batteries to its automotive partners, BMW and Ford, for testing in prototype vehicles by the end of this year. Sean Marshall, NTD News. On Wall Street today, stocks ended slightly higher. The Dow rose 16 points, less than one-tenth of a percent. The S&P added 13 points, three-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq gained 49 points, four-tenths of a percent. Twitter slipped one and a half percent after Musk threw more cold water on the deal. I mentioned that a little early, of course. Apple up half a percent. One of America's largest hedge funds is suing a metals exchange over its remarkable decision to halt nickel trading earlier this year. Elliott Management, founded by billionaire Paul Singer, says the London Mercantile Exchange either exceeded its authority or acted unreasonably and irrationally. Many called the move to halt trading and reverse a day's worth of trades unprecedented and inexcusable. Elliott apparently in its lawsuit claims it even violated the firm's human rights. In March, the price of nickel more than doubled in a matter of hours. This was a great thing for anyone betting on nickel, like Elliott perhaps. But the price spike would have seriously hurt one major Chinese nickel producer who was betting against the price of nickel rising, potentially bankrupting the company. After the exchange halted trading and reversed all trades, the price of nickel fell back to more normal levels, letting the Chinese producer off the hook. The exchange said it canceled the trades because it has to ensure the market is fair and orderly for all those who wish to participate. Canceling trades, it said, returned the market to the time when it had last been orderly. Again, we'll keep you updated. The World Trade Organization will meet later this week to discuss waiving intellectual property rights for patents or for COVID-19 vaccines. All 164 member countries need to agree for it to go through. If it does go through, companies in poorer countries will have the legal ability to reproduce big pharmaceutical firms' vaccines. 
Hypothetical, hypothetically, South African companies could be able to make Pfizer vaccines without being sued or facing legal consequences. There's, of course, a big debate surrounding this, whether it's a good idea or not. The argument for waiving patent and IP rights is it would increase access to vaccines in poorer countries. The counter view is that IP rights and protections are critical to economic development and innovation. Would you make a vaccine if everyone could just use it? We can see. Anthony's Don Ma speaks to the policy director of nonprofit group U.S. Inventor. Josh, great to have you. So in your opinion, should we waive IP rights for vaccines? Well, uh, by we, I, I think you're referring to the United States or you may be referring to the WTO. And I, I don't think either one should, should waive IP rights for any, any, any inventions. Why do you say that? Well, uh, so IP rights are, are forward-looking. So patents in particular are incentive for researchers and inventors and universities and corporations to invest capital in, in exploring new areas that, that are high risk. And so if you have uh, a property right, which is what a patent is, as a, as, a bat, as a reward for that, then that incentivizes further research and development and, and investment in finding better treatments, better cures, better vaccines. Uh, patents properly implemented are actually a huge incentive to new discoveries and innovations. And so we don't want to take away the incentive for innovations. Yes, yes, I hear what you're saying. Though the WHO argues that, sure, IP rights protect business self-interest, but there's a bigger self-interest. Vaccines can be produced globally and the world can open up and go back to normal. What, what do you think about that? Well, if the world has decided that, and if the WHO and the WTO and, and all the member nations decide that that virus and that pandemic is so uh, devastating that it's worth getting rid of all innovation, we can take the patents around the COVID-19 vaccines and give them to the public. And we won't have to pay any pharmaceutical companies for, that, for those vaccines, the Moderna, the Pfizer, the AstraZeneca. But what about the next virus? What about the next variant? Who's going to invent and come up with cures and treatments and vaccines for the next virus? That's a trade we can make. And so that's our choice. We, um, it's not in corporate interests. It's not in the company's best interest. It's in the world's best interest to have innovation and to have cures and treatments. And so we don't want to throw all that away. It, it's, a, it's, it's not a good trade-off, I don't think. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you think the argument about public health versus corporate profit, this isn't a, a very sound argument? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a false dichotomy. Um, it's both. It should be both. The companies that innovate should be rewarded uh, uh, finance, with, with, with being able to market their commercial solutions. And the, um, the world should be able to benefit from having a, a cure or a vaccine that never existed before and wouldn't, wouldn't have existed. There's no one investing in it if there's no way to profit from it. Do you think the WTO is tackling the real problem? What do you think the problem is and what's the solution? Yeah. Well, so the proposal is a bad proposal because they're, they're proposing to get rid of innovation. So the next virus, the next problem, the next challenge, the proposal is to destroy the incentive for private research and development on new cures and vaccines and treatments. That's the proposal, is to get rid of innovation. It is very short-sighted. It says we want to, 
We're going to consume all of our technology that exists in the world in 2022, and we don't want any new technology in 2023 or in the decade ahead. And so we want to keep we want to keep focused on the long term and principles of promoting innovation by providing property rights to those who go out and are successful at creating new technologies and cures. Josh Malone, Policy Director at U.S. Inventor, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Quick break, but still to come. The bidding war for Spirit Airlines heating up with JetBlue raising its offer, even after Spirit already decided to merge with a different airline. The crypto market is down, but crypto scams are on the rise. Users reporting losing over a billion dollars this year alone. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. back. JetBlue wants to acquire Spirit Airlines. Now it's increasing its offer to buy the low-cost carrier. Just last month, Spirit rejected an offer from JetBlue saying it didn't think government regulators would approve the deal. So it decided to move forward with a merger with a fellow budget airline Frontier instead. But on Monday, JetBlue raised the terms of its deal, offering Spirit shareholders a cash bid of $31.50 per share, up from $30 per share. JetBlue says it will also increase the so-called breakup fee it would pay from $200 million to $350 million if regulators block the deal. Spirit said Monday its board would consider the proposal. And the entire crypto market is down a whopping 60% from its record highs last year, but crypto scams are on the rise. Federal Trade Commission recently saying that thousands of crypto investors have lost over a billion dollars in crypto scams so far this year. With the details, Zoe, the details. Around 50,000 people say they've lost over $1 billion from crypto scams since last year, according to a recent FTC report. The losses are 60 times what they were in 2018. On average, each person would have lost around $2,600. There's, uh, we live in a world where scammers are getting more sophisticated, so it's important to understand that we have to do our own research. Daniel Logvin is CEO at Ledgerbyte. One of the projects he's working on is a web browser extension that will help users detect crypto scams. Logvin showed me a website that he suspects to be a scam. It looks kind of legitimate, but for me it's quite uh, suspicious, you know, providing that many uh, services to log in is ridiculous. The website even openly requests for your private key, which is basically the password to your crypto bank account. They just scan it and they automatically log into your wallet and that's it, game over. As you're the sole owner of your wallet, you won't have any chance to recover it and you're absolutely responsible for your public and private key information. Fake investment opportunities are the most popular crypto scams, followed by romance scams. There's a lot of scam investments where you see someone, they look like a proper investment company with a proper website and proper people running it and so on, and they disappear with all your money because anyone can do a website. David Girard is a crypto analyst and the author of two crypto books. If they say you can get rich, 
How do I get rich? Oh, technology, the blockchain, it's magical, you know. No, it's not. It's not magic. Magic doesn't happen, particularly with your money. The magic is your, the money magically disappears from your pocket and ends up in theirs. That's the only magic that happens. Adults under the age of 49 are also three times more likely than older adults to lose crypto to a scammer. Phil Zoe, NTD News. And it's robot workers to the rescue in Singapore, from construction sites to libraries, many places in the country, are using robotics to fill up jobs amid a labor crunch. The Andrew Thomas has the details. From December 2019 to September 2021, Singapore says non-resident employment declined by more than 235,000. Singapore is highly reliant on foreign workers to staff many jobs, especially in the services, hospitality, and construction industries. At one construction site, a robot dog is hard at work, running a scan to check on the progress. Um, I think things have still not got back to uh, pre-COVID. I don't think they ever will. Um, so actually replacing uh, the need for manpower on site with um, autonomous solutions is grainy, uh, gaining real traction in the industry. The construction sector employs some 300,000 foreign workers, but struggled during the pandemic as many migrant workers were unable to enter the country. Meanwhile, Singapore's National Library Board has introduced two shelf-reading robots at one of its public libraries. They can scan labels on 100,000 books, or about 30% of its collection per day. Staff need not read the core numbers one by one on the shelf, and uh, this reduces the routine and labor-intensive aspects of this task, which is uh, not sustainable. Singapore's government has been encouraging automation and robotics in the workplace and created a multi-agency national robotics program in 2014, which aims to develop robotics enablers and solutions in the country. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Hope that our inventor robot newsreader, I'll be out of a job. If you have any tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Paul Graney. Can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox. That's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. For NTD Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.